the business savvy singer. Hey there, and welcome to the business savvy singer podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast, brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need. And Greta Pope Entertainment, for the finest in entertainment. Welcome to Season 2 of the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. This season, not only will we be hearing from singers, we will also be hearing from professionals providing support services to singers. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. I'm very excited today. I have a longtime friend with me. We worked in Ohio together a million years ago. We won't say how many. And uh, her name is Robin Spangler. Uh, and Robin has uh, been a vocalist for all of these years. Uh, she, I believe, was the founding president of Cabaret West and is still very involved with that organization. And uh, I'm just so excited to have her with me today. Robin, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you, Greta? I am great. I am great. It is so good to see you. We're, we're talking on Zoom today. You look fabulous. Uh, and I'm so excited to be in communication with you again. As I am you. <laughs> Thank you. So um, I read your bio, and these are some things that I didn't know. And I knew you when we were very young. Like you were in college. I was one year out of college, and we were very young. Um, but I read your bio, and I saw that someone in your family was involved with the circus. So tell us about that. Um, yes, I came from a musical family, and my great-grandfather on my mother's side was a clown and a musician for the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Wow. And then his son was, um, he played for the military band and when the Second World War was over. He had a band that played throughout the Ohio River Valley. Oh, wow. um, and then my mother played in the band as she grew up and also her little sister, my aunt. So music, I just grew up with music. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. And that, you know, that that's an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting thing that happens because, you know, as you were saying, uh, you would read my book and I did indicate yeah. that I had no idea that music wasn't part of everyone's family. And it seems that your situation is the same. Exactly the same. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so funny. You know, you just kind of grow up with it kind of almost as part of your DNA. <laughs> right. And it doesn't occur to you that other um Children don't grow up exactly the same way. Right. That's right. That's right. So when did you start singing? Were you a little bitty kid or how did that come about? Well, to follow up on what we were just talking about, Saturday night in my household would be 
uh, the relatives coming over, we had dinner, and then we would go over to the piano, and we had sheet music from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, you know, so uh, typically my aunt would play the piano, and everybody would just pick out a part, you know, the men would be tenors and basses, and uh, my mom was an alto, and um, we we just all sat around and sang, so um, I think uh, it was just something that we always did, and it wasn't until I was in junior high that we got a new band director, and his wife was the choir director, and they started to ear train or or look at the kids to see how good their ear was so they could place them in choir. Yeah. And... Um, they there was this test and they would play two notes and they'd say is the second note lower higher or the same Mm -hmm. and I thought it was a joke (laughs) you know and I looked around the room and I realized that there were some children who were actually confused yeah they were clueless yeah right and um to fast forward through high school I um the band director and his wife, they really, they groomed me to be a music major in college. Wow. So they taught me very, I love them. I still communicate with them. They're, they're almost to retirement, but when you're in music, you never really retire, right? <laughs> right. Um, but they taught me theory. They uh-huh. taught me how to play several instruments, but they encouraged me to go to college and be a, a vocalist. Like, that that would be I would get furthest in entertainment instead of being stuck as a band director or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And they were right, you yeah. know. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Uh, once once I got to college, you know, they they literally took me to. Um, I went to school at Eastern Kentucky University, and um, they went and pitched me to the music department and got me a full ride scholarship wow. and really. Um, it takes a village, doesn't it? Yes, it they does. really were very parental and very. Um, if it hadn't been for them, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Thank wow. God for them. That yeah. is so so wonderful. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Now, did yeah. you grow up in Cincinnati, or were you from some other part of Ohio, or from Kentucky? I, I was. I, I grew up. I actually grew up in. Um, you know, it's a tri-state area. Right. So I grew up off of the Indiana exit, the Lawrenceburg exit. And um, I grew up on a farm out in Dillsboro, Indiana, um, which is about 40 minutes from Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. So uh, once I got into college, my my freshman year, I did summer stock, which doesn't pay very well. But but, um, as soon as I became a voice major, I started auditioning for the amusement parks. Yeah. uh, the second year I auditioned for Kings Island, they they hired me. And um, what a wonderful, uh, the whole amusement park system, which doesn't really exist anymore, unfortunately, what a wonderful training ground for the people who were going to go on and be professional entertainments, uh, entertainers, whether it's on Broadway or... Absolutely. It was a wonderful, wonderful training ground. Absolutely. You know, you had three right. or four, whatever or five, that is. Right, um, you had three or four or five shows per day, and you had to bring it for all of those shows. You know, it was just, uh, it was wonderful. I mean, you were really working in the business of show in a professional way, making money, 
meeting others who also, many of whom have gone on and had professional careers on Broadway, uh, doing other kinds of things. Just, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful training ground. Wonderful. Yes, com completely agree. And yeah. um, I don't know if you knew this, but Kings Island, they had um, a... Of course, you, you had to have known. They had a reunion a couple summers ago for the live shows people. Did you go? Yes, I actually went. Yeah, I did um, not go. I think I was working or something. I just can't recall what was going on. But but I've seen a lot of stuff on social media about it. And apparently it was wonderful. I hope they'll do it again. Yeah, I, I hope they do. But I, I doubt that they do because Kings Island just sold again. Yeah. And um, the, the people that we worked for um, for the listeners, uh, the people that Greta and I work for, uh, went on to, uh, form a company called JRA or JRA, Jack yes. Rouse Associates. Yes. And, um, the, as the park kept changing hands, which is most amusement parks nowadays, um, they would come in and consult. So they'd right. still put shows in the park, right. but they, as a partner of the park and, or employed by King's Productions right. that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. And um, to, to fast forward, not to go out of sequence, but my musical director was approached by the company that bought JRA. Oh. They basically are tr trying to compete probably with Disney and Universal. So okay. they are consolidating parks and they are cons consolidating uh, personnel and they're buying up all of those companies. Wow. Um, and uh, he talked about the, the the interview that he had with this new company, and he said, "You know, live shows are always going to compete with roller coasters." Yeah, yeah, you're right. So um, I hope they don't, because um, you know, as I told him to push back on them, people come to see the live shows. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. You know, they, they get told by the engineers that they come to, back to ride the roller coasters. But, you yeah. know, after I worked at Kings Island, I worked at Opryland one year, and there weren't really rides there. Rides. Yeah. And, yeah. And people from Kings Island, the administration came to me and they said, what is Opryland doing right that Kings Island? Yeah. Not focusing as much on the shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, on the entertainment. Right. And um, so um, what a special time it was for us because, of course, Opryland, they tore it down. Yeah, yeah. It was a very special time and just kind of a, a magical era uh, mm -hmm. that those shows existed. And there were multiple shows per park and just uh, just wonderful. And then after I graduated college, I went on and worked as a musical director for them and just you know, and then went on and did USO shows uh, through that company as well. And it was just, a, it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, connection for me. And I've remained in, in touch with them through the years. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. So, so uh, you went to college and did the uh, kind of musical theater program. Is that the degree that you got or? Yes, I went in as a, a vocal major, but uh, my sophomore year, they brought in a BFA. So I switched yes. over. Nice. That is really, that's really great. Program. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was uh, a great program. They didn't quite know what to do with us in the drama department, in the music department, but um, I felt like um, 
at least at that time, they had a really good vocal staff there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, I don't know if you work with Jim Christian, but he was actually my dance teacher in college. Oh, cool. And he, he worked at Kings Island for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, the staff was really, really great. And um, I felt like I got a really good um, education. And um, great. yeah. Yeah. And was able to support myself, which is the goal. You know, yes. it's not enough just to yeah. be a good singer or a good dancer or a good actor. You have to be able to make a living at it. <laughs> yeah. <duh. laughs> That's right. So even in college, I would, you know, push back against the uh, staff and say, so how are we going to make a living at this? Right. You know, if there's one course I would add, it would be how, how the business of show business. Yes. Because it's a, a really big, it's a little show and great big business. That's right. That's right. And that is what I have been uh, teaching over the last number of years that people don't quite understand that. You know, they, they think, oh, well, I'm a good singer. I look good. I mean, you know, but there's so much more to it. Than that. Yes. So much more to it. And and if you can, you know, kind of hit the ground running with that. And I think that that universities are teaching that now. But back when we were in school there, you know, the musical theater was kind of the new thing. You know, either you studied classical or you didn't study voice. And then they began introducing musical theater into the uh, college curriculum. And now it has come so far that now there are, are music business classes in the curriculum. So that's wonderful. It's an, an yeah. ever growing kind of situation. So, yes. so when you graduated from college, what did you do? Where did you go from there? And, and how did you begin to really uh, work in this field? Well, you know, I was really lucky because we made good money in the amusement park system. Mm -hmm. And uh, after I graduated from college, I uh, went to uh, Beef and Boards in Indianapolis, which is still one of the best dinner theaters in the Midwest, if not the best. And um, I apprenticed there until I uh, got my... I wanted equity to be my parent union. Mm -hmm. And... um, I understood if I really wanted to be a professional, I needed my union cards. Yeah. So um, I did a number of shows with them until they came to me and said, can't do any more shows as an apprentice. Do you want to get your union card? And of course I said, yes. <laughs> of course. And um, during that time, um, other opportunities to make money in entertainment presented themselves to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the local agency, the, the woman who had the local talent agency, she would come to all of the shows and of course they would pull in talent from New York. And many times there were friends that I'd work with in the amusement park <laughs> who went to New York right. and they were sending their money back to New York to pay their rent. Yep. I didn't, I just stayed in the Midwest until I got my card. But um, she would come and she would ask the kids in the show if she could rep them for commercial work and modeling work while they were there in the area. And I worked with the Helen Wells Agency for maybe three or four years. And so it's not just about singing. It's really about entertainment. And when an opportunity 
presents itself. She's like, do you, and she would send me out on a commercial every week. Wow. That's great. You know? But, but you know, Indiana is buyout state. So, yeah. Yeah. but still for a 25 year old kid, yeah. that's money. That's, that's money. good money. That's right. So that led to one of the local TV stations, which was Metro media at the time. It's Fox now, mm-hmm. but channel four out of Indianapolis, they started to approach me about doing, um, hosting PM Magazine shows and um, being a regular pitch. That's great. Yeah. Um, Like one thing starts to lead to another. And Mm -hmm. the more people you know in the business and the more flexible you are, the, the the more you can stay a professional in the business and not just. Yes. Has to have to be, at least for me, I had to be flexible, yeah. but it was good. It was really good money. And I met a contact that I'm still in touch with today on that side of the business. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, going back to the amusement parks, I think that was another area where the amusement parks were so valuable because you had to dance, you had to sing, you had to act, you had to do all of these things that really made you quite a well-rounded performer, mm-hmm. you know, and there, there were speaking parts and, you know, just various things that, that really, I think, helped us to develop as, as well-rounded performers. That's very exciting that you were doing the, the TV work as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you get to, uh, close to 30 and you start to age out of the system. At least yeah. I did. Yeah. I know you did cruise boats for years and that yes, was very, very smart. It, it never really was my gig, but um, I have real respect and uh, for the people who uh, went off. Being away from home that long was just not my, was yeah. not my thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You know, for me, it was interesting because I, I did the cruises. I didn't cruise with the Jean Ann Ryan production for more than a year. I did two contracts with her and then I got married and then I moved to Chicago and then I would go out for a week or two weeks with my own show. So I wasn't doing the, the production show. I was oh, kind of doing my own thing. So I was just gone for like, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, and I did that until uh, I actually had a baby and my <laughs> son, when he got old enough to go to school, was when I started kind of pulling back a little bit from that, but we would still go on his breaks and so forth. So, you know, I, I, I feel like so many doors opened for me as a result of Kings Island, of that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it, was, it, was, it was really great. So then yeah. once you did the, the TV um, uh, things, then how did your career go after that? What did you start doing? And how did you, how did you uh, end up in California? Uh, so it's kind of the same question. Um, after I had worked there and got my union card, you know, it was, um, I kind of put myself out of the beef and boards, um, family Mm -hmm. because once they gave you a union card, they expected you to go to a bigger market. Right. Right. And for me, it was either New York or Los Angeles. And, um, I have no regrets. Um, if I had went to New York, I probably would have at least gotten cast in some tour of something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, New York was a pretty scary place at that time. Yeah. Yeah. The early 80s was not yeah. not a good place, yeah. just 
to walk down the street. You're right. You're right. So I had a friend in Los Angeles that said, come stay in my apartment until you get on your feet. And uh, along with that, the people from Channel 4, I'd done so much work for them that they put together a reel for me. And they said, you need to go to Los Angeles and see the program director for Metro Media. That's wonderful. That is absolutely fantastic. Why are you doing this? So Don Tillman used to be the program director at Channel 4 in Indianapolis. And they're like, he runs Metro Media in Los Angeles. Wow. So I went and he said, I don't need to look at your reel. If they sent you, you're fine. Wow. And I, uh, they took took me up on the roof and I read for um, a new TV show that they were doing at the time, which consolidated all the PM magazine shows from across the country. And I think some chick by the name of Mary Hart got the job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. Wow. but anyway, I moved to I moved to Los Angeles um, because there was more opportunity and it was warmer here. Um, and long story short, I ended up taking a desk job at the Disney studio. So um, the good news was um, but um, what an exciting time I got hired in their publicity department. And I did feature film publicity. So I got to work on movies like um, Good Morning Vietnam and um, Pretty Woman and Three Men and a Baby and Dick Tracy. So I got to understand the film industry as well. That's fantastic. Uh, So um, uh, once I was here, you know, after I left Disney, I met my husband. We got married. I had a baby. I didn't do anything for... um, gosh, maybe 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, my husband said, you know, you don't, you don't need to work anymore. So mm-hmm. what do you want to do for fun? And yes. I said, well, you know, maybe I'll sing a little bit for just for fun and yeah. quickly hit the club scene and realized for somebody who's not a kid anymore, it's a really good place for, um, a person of my age to mm-hmm. still get arrested and still perform. Yes. So that's, that's the fast forward that the 32nd blurb about how I got into club work. That is so great. So, so you, you founded Cabaret West. I did not find you found not. it. Um, I only run the Facebook oh, uh, page because is... when I started the page, I was the only one that understood social media. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny. That's very funny. Well, so that's uh, Cabaret West is is still there, but they're not really a five hundred one c three. They're not quite as organized as Chicago I or see. New York is. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we have a small group um, of people who uh, you know really we want to promote cabaret. So yeah, yeah, because it is it's a wonderful opportunity for. For singers that are getting older. Yeah, people to advertise their shows. Yes, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. It's absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah, because I've sent a few things out uh, there, you know, to to advertise. And I certainly will, as you suggested and so so graciously welcomed me to do, to promote this uh, podcast uh, yeah. on the Cabaret yes. West um, 
uh, sites and social media, et cetera, um, because uh, it's, you know, it's such an opportunity for people. I know so many people who have had full careers in other things. And then, you know, but this is something in the back of their mind. They sang in high school or whatever. They've always loved it. And, uh, and, and they retire or whatever and, and decide that they want to do this. And it's a, it's a lovely second career for people. Right. Yes. And I think it keeps them, it keeps them young. Yes. And, um, uh, you know, you don't have to have all of that to still be a great singer, you know, um, the the good news about singing again, or the the thrill for me is um, a lot of the, um, oh, like SAG has a, an actor's fund. And they have a big show every year. Mm-hmm. And for me, the thrill is standing on stage with, you know, um, oh, she just passed away. She was one of the Supremes. Mary. Oh, Mary Wilson. Mary Wilson. Yeah. Got to stand on stage and yeah. sing with Mary Wilson. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. So for, for me, and I have a show coming up in a couple of weeks, a uh, fundraiser. And, um, Jason Alexander, before he was famous for being, you know, yeah. on Seinfeld, <laughs> he was, he's a hooker on Broadway, you know, yeah. he won a Tony, I think, for the producers. Yeah. So I have a show coming up where he's the headliner. And for oh. me, that's the, it's thrilling. that's the thrill is yeah. to sing on the program with yeah. these people. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. Now, when is your show coming up? We certainly will put that in our show notes. Um. It is in Northern California. It is um, the young art. Um, fundraiser for my musical director, Todd Schroeder. It's always done at his high school, but um, he always brings in, he, he plays for everybody in the business, which I is a, another. Schroeder. He's a great, he's a wonderful <laughs> player and a great guy. Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, um, he does this for his high school and he gives out scholarships every year wow. for kids who want to pursue the how wonderful that is so that's a lovely yeah. lovely thing yeah so it's uh, april 30th and um if i'm if i'm allowed to promote anything else of course please um, please please Todd and I are, we're working on it since post COVID, post COVID timeout. Um, we have started to work on a new CD. So this will be our fifth CD together. I can't believe it, wow. but uh, it's just piano and vocal. And oh, nice. um, uh, it, it's been a pleasure after not singing for two or three years, wondering if you're ever going to sing again. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um so we're almost we're almost done with that. It should be out in the summer, but um, can find um, the music or the other CDs I've done on Spotify, Apple, um, okay. all the regular outlets. And that's kind of my my way to make money in retirement. I laugh and tell my husband, I'm like, if fifty thousand people spend this, <laughs> I'll make ten dollars. <laughs> Still, it's rewarding. It's rewarding. <laughs> That's very funny. Well, that is fantastic. I we certainly will put uh, all of your information in our show notes, and 
you know, I am wishing you so much continued success. You look fabulous. You, you look happy. You're doing what you love. And, you know, what more could, could any of us ask? Right. Back at you. Um, Thank Gretchen. you. Look wonderful. Are you still performing uh, at your club? Yeah, well, I'm doing, uh, I have something on uh, May 13th. I just had a wonderful private event on Saturday uh, at Arts Chicago. Uh, um, and I have several other private things coming up, but I have a public event on May 13th at a club, uh, a beautiful place here in Chicago called the Polo Inn. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah, it's really lovely. And, you know, I'm encouraging people to bring their mothers and their aunts and their sisters. It's the Friday after Mother's Day. So people can kind of give the tickets to their mom or to whomever and then come out and see the show. Uh, I have some summer things uh, in Michigan. We have a, a place um, up there uh, and there are some lovely outdoor venues there. So I'm doing some things there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still... I'm still at it and delighted to be able to be back at it uh, post-COVID, you know. Yeah. It really, it, it was just, that was just such an unbelievable occurrence. Who would ever have thought that things would have been completely shut down? I mean, you know. Crazy. Really crazy. Really. But we made it through it. We made it through it, and we're coming out on the other side, and we're still doing it. So <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so very much. This has just been such a treat for me, Robin. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just thrilled yeah. to see you. And, <laughs> you know, we just have to keep in closer touch. And when I'm out that way, I'll call you if you're this way. I, I would love that. Would, would love that. Yes, yes. Okay. All right, Robin. Thank you so much. Wishing you much, much continued success. We'll post all of your stuff in our show notes. And uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks so much, Robin. Okay. Thank you. Good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. Singers, have you ever wanted to improve your sight reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berklee College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live. Classes are offered online. Visit donmixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. The Business Savvy Singer. Singer.